0: Hey there RPG fans, welcome back for another episode of Random Encounter. Happy Canada Day to all the Canadian listeners out there, and in advance of, happy Independence Day for all the American listeners. Also, happy birthday to my daughter Gwen, because that's her birthday as well, on Independence Day. Convenient. Easy to remember. So anyhow, this uh, is a mercifully brief, uh, you thought I was gonna say episode. (laughs) Not on Random Encounter, but this is gonna be a mercifully brief uh, little opening, because really, we've been so focused on all the E3 coverage, there hasn't been a lot of time for a lot of reviews and everything to get up. So do check out our ongoing, updated daily E3 2019 coverage to check out all the previews and stuff that we've gotten our hands on in the RPG world. Also, we've dropped our E3 2019 Editor and Show Awards, which has, uh, yeah, just everything a nice special feature that uh, the rpg fan crew took a look at the show and dropped awards on so if you want to see what we think is best that's where you want to go other things of note we have crowdfunding chronicles volume 15 that tina is consistently working on so again another handful of great little indie gems that have been going live on indiegogo and kickstarter so please go check out what's happening with that little article The only review really to talk about is Sega's Judgment, the action RPG that Zach Wilkerson got his hands on. He talks about it on this episode actually because the review went live day of recording. So go have a look if you want to see a little more in-depth look into his thoughts on it and the pros and the cons and all that good stuff. uh, How he felt about it overall, which seems pretty positive. And the final thing of note, uh, we at the video team have dropped yet another review on you. We've got Dragonstar Varnier, which is also another review of Zach's. He lended his voice to David's uh, editing work, and we've got ourselves a nice little tight Dragonstar Varnier review for you to watch. So head on over to the site or to our YouTube channel. Subscribe, check that out. And yeah, that's it. We got nothing else. It's just E3 all the time. Once we get through all that, I think we'll be getting caught up on a lot of our backlog of reviews and everything else. Because uh, we have a nice big chunk of stuff that's ready to publish. So keep checking out RPGFan.com. And in the meantime, enjoy Random Encounter 167. Hello everybody out there, my name's Greg Delmage. Welcome to another episode of Random Encounter. You can find me at Greg Delmage on Twitter, and I'm on the Discord as G Delmage. So, you know, any combination of Gs and Delmage, you'll find me somewhere on the interwebs. Uh, today I'm joined by three lovely fellows. I've got, first of all, Peter Treesenberg, longtime friend of the show. Hi everybody, Peter Treesenberg. You
1: can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter. So much Fury! All of the fury.
0: <laughs> and we have Nathan Lee, another returning guest.
2: Hello everyone.
0: Nathan, you sound like a vampire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you. Nathan
0: Lee come to suck your games. I don't know. Um uh, that went that almost went blitz. Sure did. I was like, Don't sell this, don't sell this, don't sell this. <laughs> Anyways. And then finally, uh second time, I guess, around on uh, Random Now, since uh, he had the pleasure of going
3: to E3, uh, is Zach Wilkerson. Hi, everybody. Uh, You can uh, reach me at ZachW at RPGFan.com, and also ZachW on Discord. Nice. is my first time with Zach since I was not at E3, so uh, welcome to the show with me, Zach. Thanks for coming
0: on. Well, thank you. And thank you both, Nathan and Peter. Let's uh, let's talk about some games. Has everyone been doing good? Everyone's gotten through the, the E3 craziness and the hype of all the good things? Yes.
2: Yeah, I think I survived.
1: Yeah, we made it. <laughs> news, new, the news side of things was pretty packed this year. I was going to
0: say, yeah, you've had a lot of uh, updates and previews and things to drop, and I'm sure you are all scrambling for that. Yeah. And they're still coming out. It's like, Someone help me with this appalling amount of Square Enix news, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I loved it this year. Well, especially for us being RPG coverage, and that's basically everything they dropped on us was RPGs when in the... Square conference happened, so yeah, you yeah, your cut out for you. That's not uh, not crazy at all. <laughs> it was a very heavy year, but we pulled through, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot, lot, to look forward to. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I mean, enough of it was probably talked about for some people on the E3 podcast, but uh, at least for myself, yeah, I really was loving like every tidbit that was dropped from Nintendo to Square Enix, and there's even a few things in the Microsoft conference. I can't um, yeah. bring back, but I was just like, like, oh, this looks really promising, and like, if, if this was the first year when the Xbox One had come out, I may have actually strongly considered grabbing one, because there was enough on it that it was <laughs> dragging my attention in, but eh, at this point, I'm committed to my Switch and my PS4, and that's good enough for me. But Fair enough. I did, yeah, as everyone, loved that Keanu Reeves reveal and uh, his oh, involvement, because yeah. <laughs> he's just so delightful and charming. We-
1: we were literally just preparing for a John Wick marathon when that happened, and I like audibly squealed. <laughs> so it was a moment. Yeah,
2: you weren't the only one. Don't worry. I think that was a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I don't know. I was hoping for all kinds of different surprises. I didn't get my Pikmin, and there was not much. Uh, there wasn't really anything given for Metroid, of course, because they probably had a lot more to do on it, and that's fine. I respect that because
1: they were hiring somebody for it, like right after the show. Oh, actually, nice. I think.
0: Well, Nintendo's yeah. definitely taking a good, strong stance on being good to its workers, and it's dumb mm-hmm. that like their stocks plummeted because of that, but right. yeah. they'll hopefully turn around. Capitalism going to be... Yeah, capitalism going to try and make money. Uh, for myself, yeah, Final Fantasy VII was definitely a big highlight. Trials of Mana being released was awesome. Yes. Let it Left Field, the, for me, was the Dark Crystal game. When they announced that,
1: I was yeah, like, "That
2: came right out of nowhere. That was like right second game the show." Bro. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, everyone, yeah, ever, everyone who didn't know about the Netflix series
0: was really confused. Well, at first, I yeah. thought they were just teasing that Netflix was coming to switch finally. Yeah, that was yeah. my
1: first thought too. <laughs>
0: Same here. And then they're like, "Nope, here's a strategy tactical RPG, possibly. Like right now, it's just labeled as a tactical game, but it likely will be an RPG. I'm guessing, but we'll see if it falls in our coverage." either way it looks really pretty and it's really neat and i'm like i'm down mm-hmm. so that was a fun little out of nowhere discovery uh, that i'm glad was dropped on us um any surprises for you other gents who weren't able to make it to e3 uh i
1: was uh not re- a lot of surprises i mean trials of man and dropping out of nowhere was pretty exciting we're fi- finally got a finally getting romancing saga 3 that's exciting like a game I-, I like in general games that we haven't like had a chance to play yeah um, Final Fantasy VIII, The Vissing Link is coming out on all consoles, and that's exciting. That was a nice surprise too. Yeah. I'm just glad they're, I'm glad they're like really committed to preserving their old games. That's uh, that's important. I'm hoping next year they do like
0: t- Tactics on Switch. That'll be a great drop. Uh but don't. Oh, please, please do. If we everywhere. get War of the Lions on the Switch, I will be set. Yep.
2: Sony's have said they want all the games to be digital, so there's hope yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll also take Lettuce Cling Together, because I don't need a PSP. And they want to still make money <laughs> off that stuff, so come on. Oh, I,
1: I was I was really surprisingly excited for Tales of Arise, mm. and I'll uh, yeah. I'll get into that a little bit later because right, that is relevant. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, that game looks really sharp,
0: and yes. I'm like actually really want to play a Tales game now. Nathan, anything that grabbed your attention from E3 that you're pretty stoked about?
2: Uh, I was just point out the list here. Just trying to see if I remembered anything. <laughs> i think for me it was breath the of breath of wild sequel to coming out like this got announced i wasn't expecting nintendo to just come out and say that oh yeah we got breath of the wild sequel coming out
0: although i think um phil is right when he wasn't doing his um like analysis of it that probably next year's holiday season will we will get it
2: uh i hope so because I, I personally have that pin for a 2021 release mm. wild, but we'll see start a pool yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: Play Shabbats. Play Shabbats. I mean, it looks like they're using the same engine for it, which will help, I think, speed up development a lot.
0: Yeah, they'll just want to find a prime time to drop it. Right now, will it be a different world map? Is the question.
2: They've probably to change something about it.
3: Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, I think they're bringing in Monolith to um, work on a new world map, so I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah, I wonder if it'll take you
0: to another region of the world yeah. or something outside of Hyrule. If it goes like a bit of Majora's Mask,
2: I'm going to Termina. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then I guess uh, I think uh, like along with everybody seeing uh, Trials of Mana or Seki Den 3 getting a remake plus the collection coming out on Switch on, pretty much the day it was announced that, that was also
0: yeah both those blew my mind that remake looks yeah. real good yeah
2: yeah I'm I'm personally waiting for the remake so I'll, I'll wait on picking up <laughs> well I probably won't be picking up the Mana collection so I'll just wait till the remake comes out and play it then oh, fair enough um.
3: My biggest regret of E3 was not bringing my Switch to L.A. so I could download it immediately. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and Zach was, uh, I mean, you probably spoke about most of it on the podcast, but I guess still, what was your biggest, like, shockering moment that you're like,
3: this? Actually having a playable demo of Final Fantasy VII at E3 was probably the biggest shock for me personally. Um, just getting to get my hands on it and feeling just how smoothly it plays. I don't think that there were a lot of things that I thought were total shocks because most of the things I think had been teased at some point, like Trials of Mana was like super exciting, and um, Final Fantasy VIII I'd heard some rumblings about. But my actually my best surprise might be how amazing Final Fantasy VIII looks um, compared to what they did with seven and nine. looks like they've just up the graphics. Uh, if you look at them side-by-side, side, Final Fantasy VIII looks amazing. I really hope that you're
0: touching up the backgrounds as well. That's the yeah. one thing that all of them have lacked so far, so... I agree. We shall see what happens. Well, yeah. We had, uh, again, a lot of great stuff come out of the Z3. It was a really powerful year for the gaming industry, so we have some good stuff moving forward, and who knows when Sony's going to, I guess, tease whatever they are got going on, since they're trying to figure out how to, quote-unquote, better reach their audience or whatever, uh, which is why they weren't there, which I get. It's a big money sink. Uh, to that end, like, how viable you see e3 kind of being moving forward is it struggling with mm-hmm. this is why they've opened the doors up to fans to make money to to let people onto the floor and sustain it because the big companies aren't pouring as much into it don't see as much value in it now that they can just stream stuff and even then not as much people are showing up either and not enough news companies maybe are showing up media wise because they can just see the streaming and then report on it that way
1: yeah i don't know i uh, i guess we'll see Um, Really, I know Sony's probably going to hold their own event for the PS5 reveal. I would imagine because they've been doing, that's what they've been doing recently is they've been starting
0: their own kind of direct style presentations. It's just a question, is it relevant anymore to the industry? Like it does hype things up and makes everything really exciting each and every year. It's kind of like how the industry has changed for the film side of things when it comes to pilot season, like initially for TV It was all coming out at the beginning of spring because that's when one of the biggest uh, purveyors of money to the TV industry, which was car companies, that's when they were bidding and pitching and getting their stuff because new cars were coming out. Uh, So the fact that it's all changed and we're moving into streaming where commercial services aren't necessary to sustain television we don't really see a pilot season so much anymore in the traditional sense like it still gets a little busy around that period but now you've got all these streaming services that are like we'll film pilots whenever we feel like it so Mm -hmm. it's i'm wondering if uh it's slowed to the change but if the gaming industry is going to start going the same way where e3 won't be as relevant because everyone will just tease and release and stream their service and their games out there whenever they want to and the announcements of that
2: I still personally think E3 will have its place in the gaming world, like. But the pro- one of the things that is still up in the air is um, because they didn't renew at the Los Angeles Convention Center. We don't even know what E3 is going to be held next year. Yeah, and that may affect like a lot of things about E3 because it is held there for I think ever since its conception or, or not since conception, but for quite a long time. I'm not quite sure when they got the license or whatever to hold. E3 at the LA Convention Center, but now it's, it's not. That'll change a lot of people, like a lot of like media outlets that will go. Like Say if it's ends up being in, like, say, New York, that's going to cut out a lot of gaming media because they're going to have to travel all the way across the, the USA to go to New York. So that may affect like just a lot of things in terms of attendance.
0: Yeah, if it started touring or whatever the case is, it would definitely alter the face of it. But yeah, I don't know. It's something to be mindful of. This definitely has given me pause to wonder where it's going with companies like Nintendo kind of bowing back in some ways. I mean, they still have a presence there, though. Like
3: They still had a booth that they put a lot of money and time and effort into, so there is at least that. Yeah, Nintendo's booth was still amazing. I mean, just the amount of effort, the Luigi's Mansion uh, booth in particular, uh, was like a whole setup with like flashlights and it was dark inside. I mean, so they oh, Nintendo still had a huge presence there. Um, but I mean, the, the one thing that E3 does that I don't think you can do otherwise is allow gaming press to get their hands on games um, and sort of it's a centralized way to do that. And I still think that that will probably be something that continues. Yeah, that's But fair. a lot of like the big announcements and all that stuff still happen before E3 or offsite. site. Um, They're not even in the convention center when they're doing uh, the announcements and things like that. So I think that probably it it already has lost some of its power, but I think that it will maintain um, a presence for a while, at least just as sort of a centralized way to um, allow developers to talk to journalists and things like that. that's just this is my read on it though
0: yeah that's fair because it's not like they want to stream out demos or anything in the future because they want to also make sure they're controlling the experience or there to answer questions which they can't do that if it's being streamed and they can't assure that a developer or sorry they can't assure that a a media outlet is going to have the best possible system to run their game to make it look its best so yeah that makes sense there will definitely be a platform for people to have to play games and try them out, whether it's behind closed doors or on the show floor. That's true. Yeah. Valid point. Thank you. Well, moving on from E3 and all the excitement and hype of that, uh, a lot of games were played. A last podcast episode that I was on, 165, I had mentioned near the end. Uh, I've been playing a game for review called Druid Stone, the secret of the Menhir Forest, which was uh, by Control Alt Ninja, who splintered off from uh, Almost Human. And Almost Human are the ones who developed Legend of Grimrock and all that sort of stuff. So this game is in that same sort of isometric-looking vibe. And I never played Legend of Grimrock. Have any of you? I have not. No, I haven't either. And neither have I. I mean, as far as I know, it it plays like a Baldur's Gate, like a classic you know, top-down RPG from that era. Uh, whereas Druidstone... Uh, it looks very similar, like I said, but it, it's a strategy RPG and just plays so smooth. Like the whole like setup scheme is very similar to like Fallout uh, One or Two or XCOM, where everyone has like a set amount of movement points and then an action they can do every turn, and it's just very simple to interface with, which is what I loved about it because it's just so easy to dive into and just play that you're focusing so much more on the missions and the tactics and not about all the minutiae because it just doesn't have this bloat of like so many weapons and upgrades and like massive skill trees that are like give you incremental
3: bonuses i feel like those are usually the that's usually the problem with games like that and why i sort of stay away from them like oh man i it it overwhelms me sometimes so yeah it's awesome to hear
0: exactly and like and There's a place for that, and there's people who like that minutiae and like to like boil down those numbers. You know, I love Final Fantasy Tactics for some of that aspect, and even then, tactics is for is quite simple. Whereas, like you'll look at, you know, even some of the tech trees and like even Diablo, where this will give you a percentile increase to fire damage or whatever. Whereas in this one, it's simply like if you get this ability, it gives you plus two health because you're tougher. Or if you get this ability you can upgrade the ability by putting a power gem on it and it gives you plus one more damage. You know, it's not like in the percentile of your based on your stats. Like your stats are literally just your health, your attack, your damage, and your movement range. Interesting. Yeah. So each character, um, you have like a pretty staple party. As I mentioned, my review will be going up soon. Uh, as I mentioned in my review, that you have Leonard, who's just like your typical warrior. You have Ava, who's like a scout slash healer. And then you have Oiko, uh, who um, it's not lost on me that he seems very mi- similar to Orko from uh, Shira. <laughs> um, or, yeah, Orko wasn't Shira, right? The little wizard with the O in his. Um, that sounds right. I think it was. I think it was Shira. He wasn't He-Man. Yeah. Okay. At any rate, he's very much like that, kind of out of his time and little mystical impish wizard thing. But um, he focuses at first on fire magic. But um, yeah, he's just a general elemental mage. But he gets some control spells and stuff along the line. And then eventually you get like a a guest party member that's kind of like, he's like a cowboy thief rogue. So very much like I can see some shadow inspiration in there. And uh, you can basically summon him whenever you kind of need an extra hand in a a mission, but it'll cost you money. So you basically hire him as a bounty hunter kind of thing for the mission. And then there's um, a fourth party member that joins as well as a permanent party member, but they're pretty silent in their addition. And they're kind of like a monk. So, you've got like a good variety of styles and skills, and some of them do have some overlapping skills eventually if you level them up high enough. But basically, every level you just get a choice between like this ability or this ability. And some of them are passive or they're both active or whatever. And you have 12 kind of slots that you can put them into, and they kind of almost seem like cards. So, eventually, once you get to, I want to say it was like level 12 or 13. Somewhere around there, I had more skills than I had slots for. So that's when you're kind of getting into each mission and saying like, oh, what am I going to need? Do I want my ice spell for this one? And I don't need fire because the enemies are immune to fire. So maybe I can drop that, you know, and bring in, give them more health. Stuff like that lets you kind of weigh those options. And you just plug and play with what you have. And it's the same with the inventory. Like you just have like two hands. So you can put a weapon in each hand. You have armor and you have an accessory. And that's really all there is for, like, stuff to tool around with. But there's still so much customizability and variety within that system, even though it's so simple and easy for, like, anyone who has not ever played a strategy RPG to just pick up and go. But if you play it enough, you start realizing how different kind of abilities can sort of synergize. Like, oh, if I knock this enemy... With this person's like power attack, it'll push them back and they'll be closer to so-and-so, so then they can do a power attack on them because they were out of movement points. So I can take advantage of you know, how to manipulate them around the, the map. Or if I knock this person back, then they're in position that Oiko can cast a group spell and get that one more person with his group fire spell. So it's really cool and satisfying cool. when you can manipulate the map and it actually works. Like, it was nice seeing all these tactics come together. There's so many times where I was basically down to the wire and I was like, it's this turn or my entire party's dead. And I just used the right mm-hmm. combination of skills and tactics to, like, manipulate the final boss monster or whatever it was I needed to do the damage to into the right place to be in the right range to move my mage into position or teleport them by swapping places with somebody that they were able to cast their final big spell on them and be like, cool, it's done. <laughs> And it was so satisfying to achieve those moments. Yeah, that's the most satisfying thing in all of RPGs. That sounds cool. Yeah, it yeah. was really easy to get into. And this game does such a good job of rewarding each of those um, tactical moments when you've really made a plan formed together that it made me want to come back to the game each and every time, which was great. The downside is, which again I mentioned in my review, is that up until like the final two big boss fights, all of this matters, but in the final two boss fights, it seems like none of it matters. Like this, There's no real like tactical no. manipulation of the map to weaken the boss or do anything. The boss just seems super OP in both of those final two boss fights. Because uh, it definitely goes a little bit of like the classic JRPG route of like, this isn't even my final form of having to fight <laughs> the boss. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so you're fighting these boss fights where you're just like, this is BS. And you're trying to do the tactics of getting around the map because every mission because all like the you have like a big world map and you get these little missions from these things called shido which basically look like a furby crossed with a moogle um they're quite adorable right. and they're definitely being <laughs> on moogles but they basically are, like here's some mail and it's a mission and you can click on it and then you have your objectives and each one has a star rating for how well you succeed at the mission so you can have the replay value of going back and challenging yourself to do better because you'll have okay. just your like regular objective and maybe a secondary objective, but then they'll have bonus objectives where you can like earn extra money or earn uh, power gems, which are things you slot into items and skills to give them to improve them. And there you can just pull them in and out, like so it, you can use them as you need permission If you're like, oh, I need to boost up my fire spell for this one, so I'll make my fire attacks now be able to burn things. So like all that stuff's kind of important for trying to manipulate the mission in a way that you like still achieve the goal by the end of it but also do all the secondary stuff so you just get more rewards and they even have those in the final two missions but it's like no you just got to rush and kill the boss otherwise you're going to get murdered and it was kind of annoying that it kind of threw all that out the window for the final boss fight like they just kind of rushed out the door because they're just so overpowered it seems and maybe i just wasn't i don't know was what i felt was a pretty max level of like at level 15 in the game and i'd done every mission i think you can maybe replay them and get some experience but you don't get much so i wasn't really sure how yeah. i was supposed to make myself more powerful but uh hmm. i just ended up having to essentially just like blitz the boss and that was basically my only way to do what i could do to end it and it was very satisfying watching myself dole out the damage all in one turn but I just felt like I was like, but I should be able to go over and do this thing or get that thing and achieve all my goals so that way I can get a full three-star rating on the mission and yada yada. So it'll take some heavy head scratching if I do decide to go back to it, how to achieve that. So I found that was kind of unfortunate, but otherwise it's like a really fun, simple to play game. Um, The other thing that's neat Is they don't just have combat missions they also have these little puzzle missions which were actually very satisfying so you just have your party running around trying to solve a puzzle so it all feels very much like a a whole kind of like light D&D experience with you know some adventures are broken up by being combat some are broken up by you know a puzzle thrown at you certain missions you know you'll be like up in uh, the the mountains and it'll be snowy, and I'll say, like, you have eight turns to finish the mission. Otherwise, you're going to start freezing to death. So after that point, you'll start taking cold damage on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's things that keep you um, tied to the environment, and you have to be mindful of various effects. And it makes it, it gives it a lot of variety, so you're not just doing the same thing over and over and over again, which I really loved about the game.
1: Yeah, it sounds really interesting. Like, I, I, I honestly might have to check this out. Because, like I said, I don't have experience with the developer's previous games, but uh, I love it when tactics games do stuff like that. When you're like you, like you said, you have to be mindful of the environment. So,
0: yeah, I might
1: have to look this up. Yeah, it I definitely.
0: Yeah. Not even even just with like environmental hazards, like where water will slow you down or yada yada. But yeah, having just that added a- aspect is is nice with the additional mission conditions. I also like that eventually you have like a shopkeeper so you can get more equipment. After the first few missions. But in order to build his warehouse. Of stuff to buy. You have to find crates of his stuff. In the missions. It basically becomes one of the side quests. (laughs) So in order to improve your shop options. You have to find the gear first. So I kind of like that aspect too. Of not just giving it out. As like on a power creep. It basically you're rewarded for. However much effort you want to put in. So you can probably get through the game. With just whatever your basic equipment. But you're going to struggle. So it encourages you to do those secondary mission objectives and to track down each and every secret in each of the missions and such. Because sometimes there's going to be secret like walls and stuff that you have to put someone on a switch to get in to get a chest or something. It's I think it's really neat how well they implemented a lot of the exploration and, again, a lot of those D&D kind of moments into a, ter- a turn-based strategy game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and finally, yeah, it's it's funny for a Western seeming RPG how many kind of JRPG elements were kind of thrown into it like I was definitely getting a lot of Final Fantasy inspiration vibes from this team just in not only like the Shido but just kind of like the arc of the story the again the different multiple forms for some of the boss fight stuff the you know your classic hero with amnesia so to speak because when Leonard comes to apparently his his role as the warden they get created by the forest in times of struggle so he has just been created, not that we witnessed this, but he literally more or less came out of a cocoon. <laughs> and so he's like, I don't know what's going on. And they're like, that's weird because the forest should inform you, so there's something clearly wrong. But don't worry, we'll figure it out with you. And you got your classic kind of amnesiac hero who's trying to struggle with his identity and all that sort of stuff. So there's definitely a lot of those notes. And the soundtrack itself is very, I found, like kind of like Falcom kind of sounding rock guitar stuff for a lot of like the boss fights and you got some tender moments which kind of sound a little westerny but still very i would also hear them as easily in any jrpg as well it was really interesting mashup of inspirations to make this game as a whole but i do recommend picking it up if you like anything about strategy rpgs or the strategy games genre it's super easy to digest and get into It's not very demanding on the system. Like, my laptop was what I was playing on because it's Windows only at the moment, although I could see this game being right at home on the Switch, for example. Uh, As Windows only, my old laptop of, like, what is it, like, eight years old now, or I want to say? Or, sorry, six years old. (laughs) Um, My old MX-15. It struggled a bit at times to get things up to, like, 15, 30 frames per second, but even still, in, like, some of the puzzle dungeons, when there's not a lot going on, I was getting a full 60 frames per second. And... You know, there's really no graphical settings that you can change on it, except like turn off the shading. So it really didn't punish me that badly. So it doesn't matter how intense your system is, you can probably play this game. And I definitely recommend picking it up, because uh, control Ninja has given us a really neat world with the Menhir Forest and its surroundings for us to explore. And I really hope they keep doing more stuff with this, or at least some DLC, because it was a lot of fun. And once all those missions are done, I was like, okay, I want to try some more. <laughs> That's always the best feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we, we had um, Nathan, you were playing some Persona Q2 uh, here. Uh, Solosi has been talking about that a lot. It dropped in Japan in November and came out here June 4th. So I know you've played it. I think Michael Solosi was playing it or wanted to play it. And um, Joe at the site, I think, was playing it as well. But at any rate, what's your, what's your thoughts on this?
2: All right, so... Persona Q2 is, I think, the final 3DS game. I think that's going to get released in the West. So, 3DS had a nice run. So I think I'd like to look. I, I kind of look at Persona Q2 and almost like this is the last one. So let's celebrate the life of the 3DS.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Pour one out. I love that thing.
2: I don't know if it, if it's because it has the Persona characters in it, but I'm not a big fan of a Trine Odyssey. I tried, I think, the original and four. I wasn't a fan of either, so building your like creating your own map is not really my thing, and neither is first-person dungeon crawling. So how I end up like playing Persona Q2, this is a mystery to me. I must really like these characters too, that much, but uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it so far. Like it has the Persona like but, like it's not really the same battle system. It's not like the same as the. Uh, like, the What One More system. It's it's the, um, you still knock to enemies when, when they're weak, so basically the same system of finding enemies' weaknesses and then exploiting weaknesses to get, basically, advantages in battle. But, um, it has a new system where once you use the weakness, you don't get another turn. Instead, your next attack will be more powerful. Unless your character gets hit, and then you, you'll you lose that, that, that power. So, it's, it's kind of like, now it's a new strategy of... Making sure your characters are are don't take damage, like when you we do a like attack that hits an enemy weakness. So I kind of like the like adjustments they made to the Persona battle system. Um, so trying to story impressions. Uh, first uh story first uh movie I guess the game takes place in a movie theater, so every single level is a movie. So the first movie has you against uh, Kawashita from Persona Five. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now he's a superhero, apparently. <laughs> so he goes from being, you know, the pervy gym teacher to now being a superhero. And uh, now he... Ha- in, in this movie, he has the basically, the populace under his con- kind of control. Basically, the people don't have m- minds to think of for themselves, so they kind of just follow Kamashita and do whatever he says is right. Which has a really, like, false sense of justice th- that he has. Um... <clears throat> I, I don't know like I haven't gone too far into the second part yet so I'm not quite sure how like the overall story ends up ends up happening so you, in the movie theater you encounter I think what's her name Nagi and, Hika- Hik- and Hikari and th- Nagi is the creator of the theater and then Hikari is a girl who just ended up in the theater you guys are locked in because for some reason they th- have a whole bunch of locks on the theater door so you can't leave. And the objective is to is obviously escape the theater by beating the levels or the movies with have uh, the keys that are dropped by the guy who runs the movies. What's his name again? Doe? Doe? Do, I think his name is like the, like as in like you know like putting doe, but they spell it with a, D, with a D, it D-O-E. with the spell D O E. Oh okay. <laughs> but the but yeah, he's he he the one who runs the movies, and he's the one who get, gets the keys, but only after you beat the movie.
0: That's. It's weird, mystical. How, like, how did the movies come to life?
2: No idea. Basically, the movie, the movie that plays plays uh, the same scene over and over again until the characters go into the movie and then play it out themselves, and the movie's plot changes. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting that way. Um, I mean,
0: uh, it's not like there's willing suspension of disbelief for Persona for you know true. all their powers <laughs> and everything. But it's just if it's just weird. Like, oh, I guess we got to go into the movies. No, nothing's yeah. telling us to, but I guess it's what we got to do, right? All right, let's go into the movies. Yeah, the is movies it kind of
1: like a like a, like an alternate dimension type thing? Like they've Because it has all three persona, uh, all three, uh, the three, four, and five casts, right?
2: Yeah, but the, the game focuses mainly on the five cast. Uh, Makes sense. There's, yeah. like, I'm only, like, part way into the second movie, so I haven't encountered anybody else yet, but the only other character that has appeared so far is the Persona 3 female protagonist. She's the only other character from the other two series that has appeared so far. Interesting, you have, you have, okay. You have the entire Persona 5 cast already. And like, well, I just got Haru and Makoto because at the beginning of the, this movie they get captured by Kamoshida. My guess is because they have nuclear inside and you can't have those 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 uh, skills early on. That's probably what it is. But uh, Thanks. You know, <laughs> That's one I'm, way to balance it out. <laughs> disrespecting Haru again by giving her less playtime again. Uh, God, get, get, get doing my girl dirty here. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, I imagine the, the other. Sorry, Is she from Five or where is she from? Because I'm not familiar with like any. Haru of was stuff. from Five. Yeah, she was. She's one of the last party members
1: to join up with you, so she has less screen time than the other ones in the main game. But she's all kinds of rad. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> I love
2: her. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, like I was hoping that they have her in here more, but you know, she just captured the beginning. It's like, man. I want to play as Haru more. I'm really hoping Persona 5 Royal just gives us more time with Haru. It just not probably not gonna happen, but I can dream.
1: Yeah, if they're expanding on if they're expanding on the third act in Royal, then, then then maybe we'll get this get a little bit more of her. I would like that.
0: Well, did they get any DLC for Persona 5?
2: Not story DLC. No. Oh, weird. Yeah. Was,
3: like costumes and co- stuff costumes like that. Costumes are like you get oh, personas
2: it. from previous games. Um, yeah. I think that was it in terms of DLC for Persona Five.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. So this could be the opportunity for them to expand on that, and then maybe give uh, Haru,
2: was it, some more
0: time. Yeah. Yeah. Here's hoping.
2: Oh, <laughs> thing. Like, because she basically comes in, was it, like two thirds of the way through the game, so which is super late yeah. in, in Persona terms.
3: Just how long is this game gonna be? I mean, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm Persona got... Five has already took me like 95 hours. I think <laughs> it's so long. Yeah. No. Persona yeah. One cap it at one hundred.
2: Another well, actually, I think I'm capped out at like a 100, 110.
1: Yeah, if it's anything like golden, they'll probably make make a few thing uh, modifications to speed things up a bit. But... Yeah.
2: Maybe just we'll send you straight to sleep, and say, "Hey, God, and tell you to go to sleep," But that'll speed things up a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going going back to
1: going back to Persona Q two though. In the original that you got to pick. Um, which cast you started out with, I think. Um, I, I'm guessing that's no longer the case here.
2: It's not the case here. Persona Q, Q2, I'm not going to start you out with a Persona 5 cast.
1: I was just curious. They're just trying to yeah. keep yeah. that the, the train po- The focus
2: is primarily on them. Like, like I said, the other the other cast, only one person from the other game has shown up at all. So I, I'm pretty, okay. Unless they do like a whole, like, oh, we captured the Phantom Thieves, and you have to play as the rest of them, as the, like Persona 3 or Persona 4 cast, I, I think the focus is going to be on Persona 5.
0: It makes sense, though. They're just trying to keep uh, pushing their latest horse, so to speak. So. True.
2: And, and plus, Persona Q was already focused on 3 and 4, so I guess they decided, okay, since we're making a sequel, it should be focused on Persona 5.
0: So you said you weren't too far through it just yet. About how much more do you think? Like, are you about halfway through? Where are you at, do you feel?
2: Uh, I think there's four movies in total, so about was like a quarter of the way through. I, th- I believe. Okay, like, that makes uh, sense. That is going by uh, Sandra. Of course, there could always be like, oh, there's a secret fifth movie, and then you know you go <laughs> to go through the final, the final movie. You know, who knows? It could be something like that.
0: Is it clear at all why uh, Joe? I guess uh, is it clear why they've locked you in or why he's throwing you into no, these movies? It,
2: no, it ha- hasn't been made clear. It's just uh, you just need that's you found that's the way out. So now you just now the cast goes through the movies and tries to tries to get I don't know tries to get out. But they never explain how you even got there in the first place. So it's okay. probably something that happens around like you know halfway, maybe three quarters of the way through the game. They'll explain like how this is all happening,
0: or it'll just be like Super Mario Two style, where at the end of it all be just a dream. <laughs> you fell asleep during a movie. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if that was it.
2: That would be pretty silly, but uh, that's totally I could see it happening.
0: Show of hands, who's fallen asleep
3: at a movie in a movie theater here? Oh, I have. Oh, really? Oh yeah, like midnight showings, absolutely. What what movie was it? Sorry. Uh, a bunch of movies. <laughs> I've done it a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Peter, sorry.
1: No, I can't say that I have. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 when I'm at a I go to a movie. I'm kind of I'm kind of there for it, you know. Uh, there's probably probably when I was
0: younger though. That's fair.
2: Yes, yeah, for me. I almost fell asleep during Your Name, but not because Your Name was boring, but it's because I had examined the mor- that morning, and then I went to the movie straight after that. So I, I only got maybe, like, four hours of sleep, so it wasn't because Your Name was boring, it was just because I was just really tired.
0: Yeah, I've been there where I've almost nodded off, less because I was really bored, but because I was just so tired, and it depends on the movie, too, it can just really lull you. I find I had that a lot with yeah. theater. If I'm seeing live theater, it can knock me right out. And it's not because any of performances are not engaging. Because often the theater I'm seeing is good stuff. I've chosen to go see it for a reason. But it's just such a calm, intimate, relaxed environment more often than not. Depending on the nature of the play, of course. That I just find myself just start getting like lulled down while I listen to the melody of the voice and everything. There's no like backing track of music to like heighten you or anything. So it's so interesting. Um, and I often feel guilty, but I'm just like, it's just, I'm comfortable here, you know, but yeah, I haven't fallen asleep at a film in a theater. It's interesting.
1: I don't know. Do do you guys go, this is off topic, but do you guys go to movies in groups or have you gone by yourselves? Cause I usually am with like a group of friends.
0: So usually with other, at least one other person. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. a movie yet by myself.
2: Yeah. Same here. I usually go with, usually it's with my family, but other than that, I haven't seen a couple of movies with friends, but i've never gone to a movie alone actually no sorry scratch that i was alone during your name never mind
3: <laughs> and that's the wine you fell asleep maybe oh i i've gone to a number of movies alone but it doesn't really matter usually if it's just if i'm going to the movie too late i'm gonna fall asleep like i fell asleep during like the last hour of adventures for example so yeah <laughs> it certainly wasn't because it was boring zach
0: are you secretly a 75 year old man not secretly. I just... <laughs> <laughs> the new oldest staff member at RPG Fan is Zach.
1: He wins. Best uh, best movie screening I've gone to recently though was when uh, Darren Aronofsky's Mother came out, and it was just me and my bu- my two buddies in the theater. So we got to like play off each other the whole time because we weren't we weren't bothering anybody, so we could like talk and react in real time like what the just heck is it happening it <laughs> that's a good movie to do that too very yeah. much so i think it helped me process yeah. it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can
0: see that
3: it's a weird one
1: it is a very uh, it was a very weird one but i would highly yeah. recommend it dear listeners
0: you know i like yeah, i think last year just, uh, was the first time i've ever been to a movie theater like where we were just the only people in it whereas it just the three of us watching this like movie that we're like Guenches and it was something about dragons and what we got there it was like oh this has a whole lot of allegory i see why nobody <laughs> else is here it's got heavy christian overtones and that's jesus dragon okay uh, it was a cool movie and it was a good way to tell these stories and it was engaging in its way but it was just like it looked like a cheaper kind of flash cartoon sort of thing in terms of like that you would see on tv not quite like polished enough for feature film but it was still engaging she enjoyed it that's all gotcha. that matters but it was just really bizarre, like, just the three of us being in this huge theater with nobody else.
2: Yeah. yeah. Funny enough, that actually happened with my family during The Last Jedi. For whatever reason, the theater was completely empty. So we're like, Somehow everybody had seen movie. it already. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably the case.
0: But anyway, back on topic. Um, Persona Q2. Uh, any other final thoughts on it? Or do we press on to the next JRPG on the list.
2: I'll probably still play it on occasion, like... It- found, like I said, for some reason, like I'm attached to this game, even though like my uh, past video game history says I shouldn't be. So I'm probably and I'm pressing on with it, especially because I enjoy the Persona Five cast a lot. Um, there are so many th- other th- games to play, though. Oh my God, and I still like have to do my my you know, my own reviews too. So it's on the back burner for now, but I'll be I'll be back. And
0: that's totally fair, yeah, because the Persona Two. The Persona Q2 review that we did have was done by Joe, hence why he was super stoked to be on here. So we'll probably get Joe on the episode soon enough, and he can get a lot more into it. But he gave it a pretty great score, so he's enjoying it. And if his review is any indication, yeah, once you finally get through it, Nathan, I'm sure you'll find a lot to love about
2: it. Yeah, I'm already liking it a lot, which is, uh, like I said, quite a bit to say for a genre I don't usually like.
0: The cute little chibi change-up on the figures is really
2: adorable. (laughs) Yeah, I like it.
0: But uh, other JRPGs that uh, I had uh, hinted at was an oldie but a goodie. Back in January of 2017, Tales of Berseria came out, and Peter, you—was this? Have you been playing it since, or did you just dive into it recently? Uh, just diving into
1: it recently. Um, I, uh, I, I haven't really played any of the Tales games all that much before now. Um, I, for something about them, kind of didn't appeal to me at least at first blush, and. Um, my limited experience with playing um, excellia did not end positively. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this is bad. Next, Tales of Arise was announced at this year's E3, and it looks so freaking good like that Agreed. I was like... Yeah, like I just looked super hype, and it was like, such an evolution for this series. That, like, okay, this looks like something I want to play. I should probably get caught up on this series. So I was looking up like okay which recent tales games are the good ones and the two that keep coming up are vesperia definitive edition which i will get to at some point and uh, berseria and i had a ten dollar gamestop coupon and berseria was the one that i found so there we go um <laughs> long story short playing it so far i am really enjoying it and i'm surpri- i'm pleasantly surprised to be doing so it is a very like it is a very fun action rpg with a lot of, like, you know, it's got a lot of JRPG tropes. The action-focused combat system, that's pretty standard for the Tales series, from what I understand, um, where you kind of string together different attack moves into big combo chains, kind of like a fighting game. Um, The Berseria uh, is is notable because it has a female lead, uh, Velvet, who, so far I really like her. She's a She's a really interesting character. Her vocal performance is really sharp. And then this other cast of ne'er do wells who are all basically everyone in this basically everyone in the main cast wants revenge for a reason or another, or they're trying yep. to find somebody or hunt something down. There's kind of a unified theme to it. And they're not your typical cast of JRPG heroes. You got like kind of a ditzy witch girl who's hilarious. Magilu, she's the best. Magilu's
3: the best. She's yeah. so funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's hilarious.
1: <laughs> I, I'm only I only just like I'm I'm still only like I just got to like the capital city so she hasn't been playable yet but like even just her banter I'm like already here for it she's the best in battle
3: too I think
1: yeah <laughs> Velvet herself is like she's trying to get revenge on the guy who killed her brother and she's been she's been possessed like kind of possessed almost so she has this like demon arm you can use in battle and that's super fun you have a pirate dude who's like cursed with bad luck and he's fun there's a, this kind of Easygoing samurai demon dude um, who's got a sword he won't draw. So I'm really curious what that's all about. Um, yeah, in general, just the cast is super likable. It sounds so far, anime right? as heck, it is anime oh, yeah. as all heck. <laughs> yep. But it's but the the characters in this one are likable enough. That was my my big problem with Excelia when I played it is that I did not like the characters. I, mean, I didn't like the main characters at least from again from first impressions. Whereas this cast, I'm like already like okay, I, I see their banter, I see the reasons why they want to band together and go out their business it's kind of a different kind of plot for a JRPG at least so far like it's not like they're not like chosen heroes
3: going out no this 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 girl wants to murder somebody i'm here for yeah. that i mean they're they're generally like not very good people <laughs> yeah. i mean the main cast I mean, that's what makes them so fascinating i think yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a very different very different cast for
1: a, for a JRPG and i'm really i i really yeah. appreciate that uh, and the, the combat system, I don't think I fully quite understand all the ins and outs of it yet. Again, I haven't really played a, a Tales game very far up until this point, so it's like some of the stuff about like chaining arts together and uh, using mystic arts and all that, like your special attacks and all this stuff is a little confusing. But I do, I I'm get, feel like I'm getting the hang of it. Your atta- number of attacks you can perform is kind of get controlled by a meter that builds up, that drains as you use abilities, but builds as you defeat enemies or land a status ailment on them. So basically it rewards you for playing
3: well, and then you can string together a more powerful attacks. So it's kind of a give and take. Yeah, I mean, I think that the most helpful thing with that game for me was just, like, sort of giving, like, different loadouts to Velvet depending yeah. on the weaknesses of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And if you hit them, and if you use her Break Soul, it's totally broken. Um, yeah. and if you just, like, abuse that over and over and over again, uh, it makes the game actually pretty easy. I played it on hard, and I had very little difficulty with it. Um, but yeah, if you just, uh, for me, like, setting up the face buttons for, like, different types of combos mm-hmm. um, was really what made the combat really kind of work well in that game for me yeah that's kind of what i've been doing is like
1: ending i have like mm-hmm. the same basic martial arts combo um for the first yeah. few hits and then it ends on a different hidden art yeah but yeah it's a fun system and uh yeah velvet it's that her uh, break soul ability where she like uses her demon arm and she unleashes a different attack depending on the weakness of the enemy you're fighting is super useful and i've yeah. been doing it a lot. Um, I haven't really played as the other characters. I know that's, like, a thing in this series, but um, I also t- usually tend to play as the main characters in most games anyway, so I don't know. Maybe I'll try to branch out and play as a few other ones. I don't know.
0: Velvet is doing the trick
3: so far. <laughs> She, she's the easiest one to control, and she's also the most powerful when you control yourself. So, Is yeah. that
0: pretty stable for the Tales games, that you can swap in and out your main character kind of thing, who you're controlling?
3: Yeah, uh, sometimes it's like a skill or an ability that you have to um, like earn that you can um, sort of uh, flop between characters really quickly and easily. But for the most part, yeah, it's sort of a thing that people like to master different characters and sort of figure out who they like to play the best. Well, that's kind
0: of neat, I guess. Um, and we do yeah. have had a... We've had those games before, obviously, where we can swap in and up. I just didn't know that was part of this series as well. That's kind of... Mm-hmm. I, I assumed it was just your classic, here's it your party, go. But again, I admit, I am very uh, unfamiliar with Tales. I have yet to dive into really any of them, and I am been, have been woefully reprimanded since coming here and well, admitting to
1: it. I think... I think Berseria is a as good a gateway drug as any, because um, uh, yeah. it's especially now that like I think the thing of it is that for a while their tales was a yearly series and they were kind of starting to rush the games. Um, this might come up later in conversation too, actually. Um... <laughs> With Berseria, they took, I'm pretty sure they took a year off for that one in between Zestiria, which was not as well-received. yeah. Now Arise is, is switching to a new engine. It's the first one developed for um, modern consoles because Berseria was originally a PS3 game in Japan. Or was
3: developed with the PS3 in mind, at least. It still looks good. Um, it does It does look good. Far. It does look good. Not you know? nearly as good as Arise, although the people who are saying that Arise does not look good... Um, I, I've heard this, like, oh, it doesn't look anime enough or something. I mean, have you seen the screens? Look at it. Yeah. It's looks amazing. Arise looks incredible.
1: You need to look at... People, people. I think people are looking at those, like, leaked screenshots and being like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, honestly... Toning, toning down the anime is not really a problem for me. Yeah, no kidding. No, it looks anime as heck. The character designs especially. Yeah. Whatever, it's the internet. People want to whine about stuff. <laughs> uh, generally <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> Which also may come up in conversation later.
1: Yeah, yeah foreshadowing. I like it. In in general, Berseria is anime is all crap, but I'm really digging on it so
3: far. So yeah, story gets even better as it goes too. So that's yeah, I think good you'll to like hear. It.
1: Yeah, I've, I've yeah. already am already like more invested in this cast because like I mean we have uh get into too many specifics. There's a character uh, who looks a lot like the dead brother. And I'm very intrigued about where that goes Mm -hmm. because they have a—they seem to have a pretty good connection going with uh, with Velvet.
0: I just can't get over the name Velvet. Half the time it
1: just (laughs) sounds so. She sounds like a David Eddings character, but (laughs) yeah, just like this emo dark. Oh, Velvet. That's actually pretty much who she is. Actually, she is basically (laughs) the big titty anime goth GF. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh, also, costume cost, costumes are the best, and I love games that let you customize the characters' looks. So naturally, I have given the samurai man a not ten gallon hat, <laughs> uh, and Velvet has glasses, which actually looks kind of really actually looks really cute on her.
0: I didn't know they really like had that flexibility. Like, we covered it a bit when we were briefly doing the, the staying gaming stuff last winter, mm-hmm. and yeah, it had its anniversary come up, so we covered it, and it looked really flashy and neat. But yeah, they were just keeping her as the basic model so i didn't realize it had customizability for is it just her or yeah, all, of you can, all of them
1: all of their costumes yeah that's that's like another series hallmark from what i understand right there's yeah, it is mm-hmm. yeah you can customize you can give them new costumes little accessories uh there are cost. There, you, there's a lot of costume dlc for this game which i'm probably not going to go that far Although, um, I'm tempted by that pirate outfit. I'm <laughs> tempted by that. Pirate. <laughs> yeah, for people who are really into that sort of thing, like Bandai Namco has sort of found their niche with that because they can they have a whole bunch of costume DLC accessories for the characters. There's stuff you there are these little treasure chests you can find in the game that pretty much exclusively just dole out um, fashion accessories. Um, you have to collect items in the environment and then pay a certain amount to open these chests but those those items are plentiful and they respawn so it's not like you're ever i feel so far I feel like I am in no danger of running out like the price to open one of these boxes is a uh, like 30 of these little doohickeys and I have like 200 so
3: eventually you start running low
1: but yeah eventually on okay everywhere yeah yeah early on it's like okay well this is this is overkill almost but yeah. oh you can upgrade your uh, equipment which is also fun that's another system mm-hmm. that I f- I find enjoyable in games too cuz I'm the kind of like I'm very, like... Oh, that's the word. I kind of... No, I don't want to... kind of anal retentive about my equipment loadouts in games. I liked, I really like to tinker with equipment setups and, uh, and upgrade materials and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty basic system in Berseria. You know, you spend resources to make your weapons stronger, but I like having a bunch of plus
3: one, plus two, plus three gear equipped, so. And one of the other cool things is that you can, um, you get, like, stat upgrades for having um, equipment on for so long or using it so many times, sort of like yeah. Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, it's got the, um, yeah, Final Fantasy IX, it's got the same ability system. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the longer
1: you have something equipped, um, eventually you'll master a skill attached to it, and you just get to keep that skill. Yep.
0: I really dig that system. It was really neat to uh, revisit when I was doing my review of Final Fantasy IX, and I forgot how much I enjoyed that, and they, Kinda had that in uh, Tactics Advance too, didn't they? Yeah, I recall. And uh,
1: Tactics Advance, and I think Lost Odyssey had it too with the rings.
0: I never played Lost Odyssey, but I didn't realize it. That's Mm -hmm.
1: cool. Oh yeah, Lost Odyssey's dope. That
0: was PSP or was it 360? Lost Odyssey was on the 360. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the only ones there. 360
1: exclusive. I'm, I'm. Okay, this is this is another off-topic thing, but I got to make this tangent. Microsoft, hi, this is me. You don't know me, but you're not doing anything with that license. Can you please like loosen your grip on it a bit? Like maybe let them port it to switch please well yeah we just got
0: like the last remnant which was also on xbox wasn't it yeah Mm
1: -hmm. well square went through this big big when the xbox was like out they went through this big phase of making games for them and then Mistwalker had an exclusivity deal with microsoft for a for a pair of a bunch of games that fell
3: but like i think the deal fell off after lost odyssey and blue dragon because they had a canceled project too there's so much cross sort of like working together between microsoft and nintendo now i think it's possible but i also Think it's probably pretty niche like i'm not sure you know if they're gonna put the work in and an effort into porting it but i'd like them to because it's a good game I would, I would i would love it with like the
1: interest in in japanese games i i would i would i would like and even if it is just something as simple as like xbox game pass now on nintendo switch for some reason yeah weirder things have happened and it is backwards compatible on Xbox One. Right, that's where I played it. Yep. The problem is that yeah, okay, well, yeah. The problem is that yeah, you have, you, you have much to much own on Xbox One. <laughs> not <laughs> Which, many
3: people do. Yes, I know. I did, I did, I did for a time, <laughs> but then I was unemployed, and long story, long story. <laughs> it, it's it's mostly a media streamer for me now.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll go to PC then. Who knows?
1: Maybe. Who knows? That actually seems very actually more probable. But anyway, that was a whole long tangent that amounts to basically JRPGs are fun, and Tales of Berseria is a fun JRPG, so y'all should play it. <laughs> it and you're looking good too, Tales of Arise. And Tales, Tales of Arise has got me
0: all sorts of hyped. <laughs> now, didn't we talk about Berseria, or Tales in general, how they all had ridiculous made up combat system names or something? Yeah. What was it in Berseria again?
1: Uh, okay, so Tales of Berseria's is known as the Liberation Linear Motion Battle System.
0: <laughs> liberation Linear Motion Battle System, L L M B S. Yep. Okay, and I guess just because the Liberation means like you can move freely around in combat and yep, stuff.
1: Yep, yep. It it uh, which is not entirely new for uh for Tales, but uh, it's from but uh, you do have a bit more freedom of movement in this one from what it, from what it feels like. And it's also, you can map things out to the different face buttons. I think that's the big change, right? It is,
0: yeah.
3: They started in Zestiria as well, but yeah. I wonder if we'll get now in the next
0: one, Linear Open World Motion Battle System, <laughs> or something ridiculous, since I'm guessing they're going to expand on the freedom. Um, the one from Zestiria
1: is called the Fusionic Chain, Linear Motion Battle System, which sounds like a freaking Yu-Gi-Oh card,
0: so... <laughs> yep. Who knows what we'll get in our eyes. Uh, so you're looking forward to Rise, Zach and Nathan. You've both played Through Tales stuff as well. Are you also looking forward to Rise? Oh yeah, it looks amazing. New games that you'll keep up on, and when it, they drop,
3: absolutely. Eventually,
0: yeah. Did it get a, a release date at all? Teased next year, I believe so. So maybe it'll be March, like everything else. Oh, <laughs> that's gonna be a dangerous month.
3: It is indeed.
2: <laughs> I'm just wondering if it'll be like uh, like PS5 or whatever, next X or Project Scarlet.
1: They've already said it's it's PS4 Xbox One and PC. Okay,
2: the rest said that. Okay. It's it just Yeah. It just feel like this is going such a such a new direction with with the visuals. I feel like it should well not should have been. But it just feels like an, a game that's for next gen.
1: Yeah, it's it's on Unreal Engine 4, I think. It's their first like time working with that engine. So yeah. maybe maybe it'll get a a port cuz I mean they 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 did that with Berseria. It was like a a multi-generation thing. They might have an uprised version yeah on the back burner as well a la Twilight Princess. Yeah, we don't know what they're doing. That's the thing. We don't really know what they're doing. When um, Project Scarlet and the PS5, when they're going to come out.
0: So this could be a next summer release for all we know just to get it out the door before the holidays and the new systems come out and stuff maybe. At any rate, switching tones, Judgment came out last year in Japan, dropped June 25th uh which is today as of this recording it
3: is uh we're recording it the day judgment came out and uh zach you've been playing are you playing it for review yeah yeah my review will post will all be posted by the time the uh podcast goes up it's getting get posted today um so go check that out yeah but, yeah um, overall, I liked it. Um, I've I've never finished another Yakuza game. Um, I, I've played uh, a couple of them, like Yakuza Zero. I played a little bit of, and I've sort of toyed around with some of the game, Kiwami game, games. But um, yeah, overall, it it, it plays. Uh, those of you who aren't familiar, it's a spinoff of the Yakuza series. It still takes place in Kamurocho, which um, is good uh, because it's a really delightful town to sort of uh, mess around in. But um, this one, uh, follows a guy who's a lawyer, um, in Kamurocho, and he gets a guy off for murder. Um, and then, like, a month after he gets the guy off for murder, the guy, like, murders his girlfriend and burns his house down, and so he's disgraced, and he's sort of racked with guilt, and so he becomes, like, a private investigator, um, who is looking around Kamurocho, and he eventually is hired to defend, like, a Yoko Yakuza captain for, um murder and i sort of find evidence for that and sort of along the way he gets embroiled in like this uh serial killer thing and he's like um, you know sort of tasked with you know locating um, who the serial killer is and it becomes like this big giant conspiracy um and the game uh, starts out really well in terms of the story it's really engaging early on um the mysteries are really cool you sort of really feel like a detective as you're like gathering evidence and like presenting evidence um but then like in the second half it gets a little bit slow and they keep repeating things over and over again and i like totally figured out a lot of the mysteries way before the private investigators did, uh, which sort of took away from some of the credibility of the uh, game and sort of the narrative. But it, it starts off really well. But um, otherwise, it, it's a Yakuza game through and through. The combat's the same. The side stories are like really engaging. There's a lot of really cool mini games that you can play around town. Um, it, it's just a total blast to play. Um, and so overall, I thought it was a really, uh, a really fun experience. Is this a good um, jumping in point if you oh. haven't
1: played any of the Yakuza's?
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure if they have any references to previous Yakuza games because I haven't played enough of them to really know, but I, if there were, I didn't notice, um, it, it totally stands on its own as a story. Okay.
1: Good, that's absolutely. good to know because yeah, I've been yeah. curious
3: about this series.
1: You know, people, there are a lot of people I know who are really into them, but, uh, it's
3: one of those things i I mean the the things that were best about this game are the things that come totally from yakuza um the things that weren't as effective are like um you have like these tail missions where like you have to follow people around town they're really boring after a while um they're like these point and click almost adventure things where you have to like scan an area to try to find the evidence and it's just really annoying because you just kind of have to wait until you hover over the right thing um so, I would probably recommend starting with like Yakuza Zero. Everyone always tells me that's a really good one to start with, but I um, know the combat is cleaner here. Um, so, like I said, all the Yakuza stuff is really what works the best here. And I'm hoping that if they continue this series, they refine some of the um, detective elements to make them less boring, to be honest. I gotcha. Do you ever have to go to court? You do. Um, I, I won't say too much about that, um, cause that's, there's some spoilers involved there, but, um, early on you spend some time in court and then later in the game you spend time in court as well. Um, there's a little bit of Ace Attorney here as well, for sure. Um, they make some kind of subtle, um, references to it. Um, so if you're an Ace Attorney, there, there's definitely a little bit of that too, with like the pointing and yelling objection. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Does the gameplay change in any way like is it its own mini game in the law scenes you're just presenting evidence um when that happens like you'll just like select the right um sort of like dialogue from the tree for like what proves the point you're trying to make and again it 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 doesn't ever require you to put the pieces together yourself it just does it ad nauseum by sort of like shouting it at you over and over again in the game and you just have to remember um what the right thing was it really doesn't require much thought which again was sort of one of my criticisms of the game which you can read my review. That's totally fair. Yeah. You know. How is the Pierre Taki stand-in? It's funny because I I didn't notice. I, I think they actually didn't use a stand-in. They just actually like created like original uh, model for that character. Okay. Um, it's a pretty pretty major character. Um, it's like actually the yakuza captain who was accused of murder at the very beginning. Who you have to find evidence for just to, to defend, but I it looks pretty similar to the Taki model or the Taki character model, um, but I wouldn't have noticed. I actually didn't okay. know which one it was until after I finished the game, and then I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that controversy. I'll go Google it. I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't have known otherwise. For for context, listeners,
1: um, Pierre Taki is a one of the actors. He was a, um, in Judgment. He was a pretty famous Japanese actor. He was in Shin Godzilla. He did the voice of Olaf in uh disney stuff but um he did some nose candy and that's a no-no in japan so now he's been kind of pulled from everything
0: yeah it was a big uh deal was it a couple months back now yeah he
1: got dubbed out of kingdom hearts 3 got kicked off frozen 2 he's in jail uh yikes <laughs>
3: i mean i think they just re-released it in japan like they pulled it from the shelves in japan until it could replace the model yeah um if i'm not mistaken so yeah, yeah they did it was that was that was a thing it was a deal um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't noticeable, honestly. I, w- I like I said, I didn't even know which character it was until I finished the game and googled it.
0: Well, that worked out. Yeah, worked
1: out.
3: Just a strange situation. It is. It's it's a little bit of an over top, the top reaction, if you ask me. But that's just me. Yeah, it's like this weird, <laughs>
0: bizarre like sense of this person out of life forever. Right.
1: Yeah, Japan takes that stuff seriously, though. They, they, this is actually isn't even the first time this has happened to Yakuza. Um, it happened to I think Yakuza Five, Four, Five, one of them uh yeah, when it got right. re-released they had they edited out an actor as well that's
0: yeah it's nice that they take a hard line and let people know they mean business in general com- like for all these companies that this sort of stuff isn't going to be just overlooked with a oh well they're famous you know like, yeah it hits everybody which is important to show that accountability to the world mm-hmm. uh well are you always going to keep going with the yakiza series yourself Zach, or Uh, are you going to go
3: back now that you've gotten through this one? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I have Yakuza 0 sort of sitting on my shelf. I've put maybe five or seven hours into it, and I liked it, but um, as nathan pointed out earlier so many games so little time have things to review etc cetera, etc cetera. but um yeah i mean uh jonathan um has been reviewing them and i've been sort of like looking through those and um it's been hyping me up for trying to give trying to give it a shot and again i i actually think the things that were best about judgment were the things that were the most yakuza so that makes me more hyped to play a yakuza game all the way through
0: well uh, in a complete shift of things, uh, going from judgment and law, uh, we go to uh, Ambassadorial Proceedings and Citizens of Space, which I've been playing for review as well. That just came out on June 18th for uh, I think PS4 and for Windows. I don't think it's on anything else yet, but again, I won't be shocked if it makes an announcement to come to even Xbox or to the uh, Switch sometime in the next year. Maybe it is already on the Xbox, I'm not certain. That would not be surprising considering it's on Windows. But anyhow, I don't know companies. But Citizens of Space uh, is the sequel to Citizens of Earth, which uh, was a really nice take on uh, kind of like the Earthbound system in a lot of how it looked and felt and was very much an homage to that and still very much a JRPG combat system has since changed up, though. It doesn't have that kind of classic Earthbound look now. It's more um, side to side. So you have your whole party on the left, enemy party on the right. You can swap in and out your citizens as you gain them and go into battle. And then when you're not in battle, you've got your character who's the ambassador of Earth, uh, who is just very excited to be an ambassador. And when you arrive on the, uh, the Galactic Federation, kind of, not necessarily a home planet, but like a space station, which is, uh, in this case, not founded by Earth. Like, this is one of the first uh, I guess sci-fi bits I've seen in a long time where earth isn't quote unquote the center of the universe you know where we're not the the founding fathers of universal unity We're apparently a newer race to this whole galactic federation and thus not taken very seriously no one even knows really where or what earth is and they keep calling it earth um, so we're just some sort of backwater planet that no one cares about. And so when you show up as the ambassador to get kind of sworn in as an official ambassador for Earth, it turns out that Earth has gone missing, which also adds to the fact that why nobody knows about it, because since you've been in transit, it has vanished somehow. So then it becomes clear that if you want to be an ambassador for Earth, you need to go find Earth so you can be an ambassador. Otherwise, what are you supposed to embass for? So you have your assistant, who is your first kind of citizen that you bring on board. And you essentially are now free to go out and start finding other citizens to help you find Earth, bit by bit. And it plays very similar to the first one, where you have to wander around the map, you get your party. Uh, In this one, your party doesn't follow you around like they did in the last one, it's just you. And everything is managed through the menus, which are all pretty streamlined. Like, each has subsections, which can get a little clunky. I always find that hard with menu systems, where it's like l2 l3 swaps between them and then there's like sub menus with l1 and l2 yeah and stuff is or um yeah you get r1 l1 r2 l uh l2 sorry is what i was meant to see and you're just like uh which one am i uh, i went to the wrong menu and i gotta go back and uh i don't know what i'm an old gamer or something too many buttons rah! but <laughs> it definitely psychs me out sometimes and i get lost what i'm doing and then, especially when you're doing citizen management, because then once you go to the citizen management page and you get more of those, to open up their, indi- they each have their own individual pages. So, like you have like your roster of them, and then you highlight one, and then you can check out what their talent is by pressing one button. You can open up for your battle citizens, who are the ones you use in combat. You can open up their stats, which is where you can do all the inventory stuff, and then you could pair them up with a partner citizen. And so it gets to be, you kind of go down this rabbit hole of a bunch of little intricate button presses to get into all the different sub menus and it can be a lot once you start getting more so at face value it seemed pretty simple but now that i've got more uh, citizens to manage i've been like what <laughs> it's easy to get lost and forget who does what and yada yada, yada. because you have now three different types of cist- uh citizens because i think in the last one they were all combat i didn't play it and i can't remember it's been a while since i've read neil Chandran's review of it But uh, in this one, now you have, like, a set number of battle citizens. I think there's nine of them. No, 12, I think. And then you get summon citizens, which your ambassador, who's never in battle, he just sits back and basically tells everybody what to do. But he (laughs) gets his uh, his his charisma. (laughs) Exactly. But he has his charisma rating, his, like, leadership kind of thing, uh, from 0 to 100. And with that, you can at any point hit L1 and toggle him out. So he can use items to heal people. And he can summon citizens. And he can also enact policies. And policies are fun because they are they affect everybody in the battle. So it can be like a policy where everybody does less damage. Or a policy where everybody gets this or that. The only one I've got right now is where I can make it so everyone does less damage and has less chances for critical hits. So it's just like a rebalancing for some weird reason. And I have one where he, he can just enact that party member switch. So that's all I've got at the moment, but I think I'll get more as I go on through the story. But uh, the other one is yeah, he can summon various citizens that you've discovered. So like your spaceship can like shoot them. Your you can get this mole guy who throws rocks at people, or you can get someone that will come and just like heal the whole party. But it'll cost you like your entire bar, so they're very powerful. But over time, as you go back into fights and do actions and stuff, it builds up sort of like a like a limit break bar, except that you can expend it. However much you wish at a time. So I thought that was kind of neat to make him feel involved. And also, they definitely don't hesitate to play up the fact that he's just an ambassador who doesn't like to get his hands dirty. And anytime he does say, like, I'll help you do this thing by telling you what to do. And, you know, stuff like that. It's very cheeky in that regard. And then the other citizens you get are the partner ones. Who you can essentially tack onto one of your battle citizens so it will boost their stats and then give you an additional set of skills that you can call upon if you have that specific one um, tied to whomever. So you end up having a lot of options in combat. And at first when I had my core party of like three people that I found and I was starting to get to know them, that was all right. But now that I've started to get more and more and more, it's getting a little complicated more than it probably should be for this game because each different person has a complete different mechanic basically for how their battle stuff works. So like you've got your classic guide, the first person you get at the gate is just the captain who's the captain of the ship. He's your old pirate yo-ho-ho guy. He's got a clamp for an arm and a peg leg and a parrot on his shoulder. He's pretty typical piratey kind of captain guy except in space. And he just essentially punches stuff. You know he can punch stuff and he can reduce their defense. He can punch stuff and steal hit points. He's got a few boost things because he's got um, the ability to hit somebody. He's got the ability to hit them really hard or he's got commands that are more party buffs. So everyone has like an up, left, right, down kind of window to access a whole bunch of different skills. And as you can, as you know, I'm describing this, I'm like, this sounds complicated. And again, at face value it looks like it, but once you get into 12 different characters who all have four different windows with four different types of like action types and then within those action types then there's like 3 or 4 different types of actions you go down this big rabbit hole of like oh my gosh, now I have to relearn a whole new character and all 12 of their new abilities or whatever it is that is coming up, it can be a lot and then I found myself just being like I know how these 4 work, I'm just going to use them so it is neat that it gives you all this flexibility and you can play around a lot but it's also very overwhelming at times And I mean, again, you can see where the roots come back to something like Earthbound. Each character handled kind of differently in Earthbound, if I recall. It's been a long time, but, like, they all have their kind of different sort of powers and abilities where, like, Ness, you know, was pretty straightforward. Hit things, use psychic abilities. And then Paula did, had her, like, prey thing. Wasn't that? Who here has played Earthbound and knows better than me? I can't remember. It's been a while. Right. But they all kind of had like their own little secondary ability that kind of made them stand out from yeah. everybody else, but then they kind of had their basic whatever. Like Jeff had bottle rockets, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think Pooh had his, yeah, whatever his monk ability was. So, like, they all kind of had a little thing that made them unique, but they were still rooted very much the same. Whereas in this one, like, even people with their basic abilities are, like, wildly different. So it can get a little, like, yeah all over the place when it comes to it. But it it makes the combat fun because also each and every one of them has their own mini-games. So it's not simple like just hit a command and attack. You'll have to hit a command and be like, and then it'll prompt you like, mash the button to, if you, the better you do at the mini-game, the better damage will be done or the longer a boost will last or whatever. And again, that makes it very engaging and fun and keeps you on your toes. And it's very much like, mario and luigi superstar story or stuff like that where you're constantly interacting with the combat system but again once you start getting more and more characters and each single one of them has a different mini game for how you do the thing it can get very overly complex trying to remember how to each game masters keeping track of it all and learning the new mini games and plus again they just kind of slow down the whole system when you have to mini-game every single fight. Thankfully, fights don't have to be all that frequent when your citizens has the power to alter encounter rates, so you can slow it down. And I find the level of enemies is kind of a bit all over the place, but because you can go wherever you want almost out of the gate within reason, so sometimes you might run into tougher stuff. But generally, if you're playing the game in line with the story, I find it so far pretty easy. So you won't find it too much of a struggle and you won't feel the need to grind for very much and you can definitely tone it down pretty easy but even then when you're in heavy combat stuff it can really drag it out when you're just doing like all right i gotta do like six different mini games in order to finish this fight and get a little old fast
1: <laughs> yeah it sounds like it <laughs> yeah.
0: and i get it like i love that they were trying to innovate the jrpg game system by like breathing new life and Making it more interactive and making everything kind of a QTE, but it's just like you know, do it kind of like how Mario and Luigi did, where there's like a few mini There's like three or four kind of quote unquote what you would call a mini game. You know, it's just like toggle a button press to get a critical hit at the right time. You know, and then that's about it. Yeah. They have a couple of ones like I, the ones I think are neat, like yeah, the button mash one where the button changes all the time. Although someone should tell somebody that button mashing the triggers is not what they're meant for, and it's super annoying and hard. <laughs> yeah I know 100% and then they'll have other ones where it's like you'll have a bar come up that you have to hold the button down and charge it but it's the kind of thing that if you overcharge it'll blow out and you'll miss so you kind of have to like Oof. let go at the right time that stuff's kind of neat and again it's quick enough that it's interactive and there's other ones where they'll show you a sequence and be like remember the sequence and then it'll hide them and then you kind of have to Simon Says remember what those four buttons were or five buttons were kind of ally like Saban's combos and stuff so, like, that stuff's kind of neat, and I like those, but if, but once they start getting into all these complex ones of, like, you have to, like, shoot the moving things on the screen, or this thing will beat to the rhythm, and I can never figure out the rhythm, because I don't know, is it the rhythm to the battle music, or does their, the game have its own rhythm, like... <laughs> Yeah, that sounds, like this. that sounds almost like a, just a little too much to keep track of. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: exactly. Right. And like uh, at first when I was thinking, I was like, yeah, it seems pretty simple. But as I start talking more about it, I'm just like, no, this is this is a lot. And I have processed a lot over these past like five, six days that I've been playing it clearly. And it's hard too. there's days where sometimes you just want to hit the button, and make the guy attack a thing. Yeah, <laughs> so that's uh, again, it kind of overstays its welcome, as the first one was kind of guilty of as well. But the charm in this one is definitely in like the world and the writing and stuff. Like it's a really pretty looking game, the in terms of its its presentation for what it is. Like it's very Saturday morning cartoon, but everything's very polished looking. It definitely has a, a few little glitches here and there that I've run into for just how you interact with things or how like the story kind of happens. Like at the beginning where well, you're supposed to go into the assembly to be like, hey, I'm the immune ambassador. And they're like, cool, Earth is missing. But in the meantime, I started talking to people or talking to system, citizens that I was able to recruit. And I was like, I need to recruit you because Earth is missing. And I was like, wait, what? I, Earth is missing? <laughs> What's happening? No one told me this. And then when I actually got to the story moment where he was told Earth was missing, I was like, what? Earth is missing? So it seemed like they didn't have a trigger in place to say, to like not limit the fact that people should be talking about earth is missing until after you've learned about it kind of thing, or that you should not be able to recruit anybody until after you've gone to the assembly. So there's a bunch of stuff that like it reveals story moments before the characters actually know the story has happened. Mm-hmm. That's, so that was a little weird off the top. That's weird. Like a flag wasn't programmed or something. Exactly. Right. Like I, I, yeah, I put it to like my vague knowledge of RPG maker And that, you know, you trip a flag that once that trigger is triggered, then everybody knows what you know, so to speak, right? Yeah, it just seems like something wasn't flagged right or whatever. And there's a few little moments like that or, yeah, where something doesn't kind of flag out right and whatever. I've also had this one weird error in battle where my bottom, because you have three party members, and then behind them you can position essentially like the reserve fighters. They can only swap in with people in their uh, column, or sorry, in their row. But the bottom row person, I've had them get knocked out, and then they seemingly they get replaced. And then that person's turn never comes up, no matter what. So then I'm just stuck doing this boss battle with only two characters for the rest of the battle. Hmm. So that seems like a weird glitch as well. Even though the person's very much alive, then I will go and like maybe use a reviving thing to bring the other person back, hoping maybe that'll trigger it, or I'll swap them out. doesn't do it, they just... They stay as if they don't exist like they're they exist in like you can see the initiative bar up, so you can kind of plan out your turns out like final fantasy 10 and stuff like that and you'll see them there but then they'll slowly keep getting bumped down and then just stop existing and i'm just like what i don't understand so there's it definitely has its glitchiness which again the first one was uh had a lot of problems with as well so it's something eden needs to kind of keep working at the old drawing board but if they keep writing games this tight, like it's full of great puns, the voice acting's stellar, the characters are all very charming and endearing, and it's a lot of fun to... Most of the stuff I've been grabbing screenshots from and remembering and enjoying is just the interactions between the characters and the development of the story and how uh, hapless and arrogant and out of it this silly ambassador is and everyone else is basically trying to keep him on the straight and narrow of focusing on the task at hand instead of his own ego and stuff. It's all very funny and definitely doesn't hesitate to poke fun at RPG tropes and just the world in general and science fiction and stuff. So it knows what it is. It's having fun. It just has a lot of um, cracks in the seams on the outside, unfortunately, that stops it from being the most fun game to play as well as the most fun to read and listen to, so to speak. Yeah. So I don't know what if they plan on patching it or what, and if they do patch up some of these issues i think it it will be a really strong game and you know i do recommend it if only if you like you know silly goofy comedy of what it is it's very cleverly written kind of saturday morning cartoon stuff it's always nice when you walk into what was the one oh yeah one of the first places you get to where there's a like a switch puzzle to like go over to release, Like, ah, this looks like one of those classic rpg puzzles <laughs> you know so they, they know what they're they're doing <laughs> but otherwise we'll see how it gets to the end i have a bit more of earth to find and a lot more story to go through so i'm nowhere near the end of it i want i feel like i'm maybe halfway through i may mean, have only found 25 percent of the earth but i don't know how much of that has a bearing on the actual like progress through the game so we shall see and i've got lots of citizens to find still yet and uh yeah more worlds to discover so it's pretty neat flying around space. But do you only have 24 hours to save the Earth? No, thankfully. I have <laughs> as much time as I dang well please. Good, good. Because, like I said, you can go wherever you want. So even if it says you need to go here for like the main story purposes, you could go off to another planet if you wanted to. I just think the only complex part of it is that you may not have found somebody that you need to find to access certain parts or something like that. So that might hold you back. <laughs> but there's not a ton of gatekeeping in it. Once you have a few citizens and you have access to a better spaceship, you can pretty much go over you want, which is kind of neat. But like I said, it seems like it runs into a bit of issues where it doesn't quite account for that. I don't know. It's strange. Yeah, have any of you played Citizens of Earth yourselves or seen anything about it back with Neil's review of it?
1: Uh, only only what I've covered for news. Um, it's come up a couple times, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, a couple some of the screenshots look funny, but it's, I don't think it's really my bag, so I haven't really
0: paid much attention to it yeah i gotcha same here yeah well it plays like a jrpg and just but uh, yeah it's definitely very stylized for what it is so uh but speaking of space rpgs uh super neptunia that takes place in space doesn't it nathan
2: all right so super neptunia rpg so what like as most of you know i'm a big fan of the series like i'm probably like one of the few on rpg fan who genuinely enjoys playing neptunia games and they're in space too right i think they're in space no they're not always in space. They are there an are alternate dimensions oh, in like, okay. every single game. That's that's the idea behind each series that they go into different dimensions, usually with different eras of gaming. So, I think the second, well, first and second game were like modern times, and the third game they go back in the past and they meet like character, you know, the characters from like the G- Genesis era and stuff like that. So, there's the Genesis and the TurboGrafx 16 characters. Gotcha.
0: So, I had a misconception. It's the Neptune part. Anyways. So, what's, yeah, Super <laughs> Neptune RPG like?
2: Uh, so, this is the first game that was made. Outside of Kampal hard so this is a game made by Canadian studio Artisan Studios. They're based in Quebec City, which, by the way, is a beautiful city. You can just visit sometime if you don't mind everyone speaking French. Yeah, um, I've heard
0: great things about Quebec City. It looks lovely, and it's nice and old since it's one of the earliest parts of uh, Canada that were settled. But I have yet to go to Quebec City itself. Been to Montreal, but not Quebec City. Great.
2: Ah, uh, City is nice. It's got the nice historical district too, so you can like look at all like the old like 18th century like European like streets. It's 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 really interesting. But uh, anyway, back to Neptune uh, RPG. So this is this is their first game. So they've made assets for other games. I uh, can't quite remember what game they made, but I remember it was something that I recognized. So so they've done that before, but this is their first time in charge of a game from start to finish. So. This since this is their first attempt out, I guess I'll be a little bit nicer to them, but uh, this is not um, this is not a very good game. Uh, there's just a lot of design choices that I feel just don't make much sense. It just feels like they're trying to go for something else, and then some. Like I guess it must have been Combahard or Idea Factory stepped in and said, "Oh, we want to make this an RPG now, even though uh, all the level design and everything makes it feel like an adventure game." So there's like the first area there's a whole like well throughout the game there's platforming elements so so you so they have all this 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 area space designed for platforming this chest you can't reach you know there's like these long jumps that you know you they're harder to 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 reach than i would like but basically there's all these like design elements around the world that's based on seems like an adventure game it's like i feel like if they had made this like almost like a metroidvania style it could have been pretty cool because neptune has got the cool like I'm gonna mention some of you, but it's Kind of like a str- Strider kind of like attack on the overworld, where she'll when she jumps in the air, she can do like a, this. Almost looks like like the Strider arc for the sword. Oh, so cool. I was I was thinking I was thinking, man, if she had like a double jump or something, and you just you go just around and just killed enemies that way, this could have been a really fun game. But unfortunately, it's not like that. So when you see enemies on the overworld, when you bump into them, you go into the standard you know RPG battle. So and. um... Uh, system is like I've never played Valkyrie profile, but people said that's what it looks like, which is is a formation style. So you have four characters in like a diamond formation, and you and each character has their own corresponding attack depending on which which position they are in the formation. You can adjust it of course, but um, so the lead character will lead the formation and will decide like what kind of formation it is. So Neptune will be like the attacking formation, then the character blonde she'll be the healing formation. Then the other, the other will like mix in like you know physical or magic attacks. That's basically what the formations are supposed to be. Um, the, my main issue with the game, with especially the RPG part, is that it feels like I'm mashing buttons because basically like it's a like an active turn-based system. So you have like an action gauge. So whenever you ha- have your action come up, it'll take off points off of the gauge. So and especially when you encounter enemy weaknesses, enemy weaknesses will add. Uh, more points to your gauge so say if you find enemy weakness you'll attack you'll only get two points back which is enough you need to attack again so just, I, sometimes i just find myself just mashing the attack button because I, once i find any weakness i could just do that or like once i get other characters i could add in other characters attacks on top of it so i guess it's like i, I, th- I kind of like the battle system in that way and that you know you can pick out any weaknesses and you get reward for it by basically being able to attack infinitely but uh it just feels like I'm just like pressing buttons and not really thinking too much about strategy. Besides weaknesses, it's I don't know how to really describe my feelings on that. It's like I guess it's mixed feelings. It, just that um, it's too
0: simple. You feel like you you want more complexity, or like or you don't like that it's so mindless yeah. kind of thing, or
2: yeah, I would like a little more complexity in the system. Like it's basically pick pick out weaknesses and then mash buttons until you you win.
0: And it's just a really easy it's routine. Like
2: yeah, it's and it's like that for bosses too. Like I destroyed uh, one of the bosses in the game just because I ha- I picked on its weakness. I just mashed square until the until the boss died. I I because um if you are in the animation like if you're on the animation for attacking and then you attack again, you, you basically your character kind of runs up to the enemy and then attacks. But the character is still standing right in front of the enemy. They can pr- you can basically just press buttons until the animation runs out, which is a long time. So you just sit there. If you have like twelve points you could just sit there and just spam square until the until the enemy dies. So I think on the, that boss it took like hundred damage and I had like you know like seven hundred HP. So I barely took any damage at all during that boss fight.
0: So you can kinda like stun lock yeah. them sort of thing, like while they're in their yeah. animation lock, yeah, you can basically. just there and wail on them.
2: Yeah. Oh. And the same thing goes for bosses too. So there's one boss that I was facing which is like a, like a knight made of ice. So basically he would attack he would attack me. Because the animation is so long. He could build up another attack, like while while he's in the middle of doing his own attack, because you can't move while and then while anyone's doing any kind of attack animation. So he'll attack me, he'll hit me, and then because the attack lasted so long, he built up enough for, for for his own gauge to attack again, and then he'll attack again with another AOE. So it's like I couldn't move, so I couldn't really do anything to 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 stop him from attacking because even if because when you press the button to, to do like an attack or, or anything you have to go you have to use up your own action points which is stored up in a queue so it's, it's, it's so it's, you have to wait until the enemy's done and then you can move so it's, so sometimes it gets it gets kind of it gets cheap i guess for, for both you and for the enemy
0: so it can be it uh, i guess it's nice them. that it can be exploited both ways i suppose
2: yeah well guess not really nice for you, because because that battle just I felt like it was way harder than it should have been. Like if I was able to attack like in the middle of what what the enemy was doing, it probably wouldn't have like like I burned maybe like like seven revives on that on that one fight. Oof. And but like twenty healing items. It was it was a long fight. it, it, it feel like unnecessarily long because the attack animations were so long. But um. Yeah. So then there's also the part on the overworld where I don't like where. For some reason, they're bombless pits, and this is why I think it's an adventure game, because I'm like, why are there bombless pits in the overworld? There's some in towns, too, and they serve, like, almost, what? Serve, <laughs> so, like, almost no. yeah, there's, like, in a hole right in the middle of, like, like, I'm in the middle of a harbor, and there's just a hole, like, in the middle of the path. Just it, fall in and die. It, like... It's also obscured <laughs> by the foreground, so the first couple of times I ran into it not knowing what happened, because all I see was, you know, the screen just turns black, and then you reappear on on the opposite side of the... Of the hole, and I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? And why is there a hole in the middle of town? But uh, that's why... Yeah, I, see, there's
1: there, there's bad design, and then we design this just because we're going to be dicks. Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: we just don't want you to get lulled into it? a false sense of security while you're just walking through the streets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> true. Truly Super Neptunia RPG is the Dark Souls.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's funny because, uh, last you know sorry i think of the wrong game but uh, yeah for some reason this just happens like that i don't know that's why i think it's an adventure game at least it was supposed to be uh just a lot of design choices on the overworld just make me think that like there's something like when you go into dungeons it feels like there should have been more like there's built they feel like they built something like it's meant for a different purpose than being an rpg so that's part of the reason why i'm I'm kind of annoyed with it (laughs)
1: It really does sound like you said, like, they made, like, a... They took the wrong lessons from Valkyrie Profile, like, and just made a worse version of it.
2: Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's um, a shame, but
0: you do got more coming out with soon? your review on it soon, so you'll have a more in-depth yeah, I'll, look. I'll
2: have, like, all my, have all my thoughts down, like... Maybe I was just spewing out my random f- opinions of it, because I was... Is this a game that just, like, it just confuses me, so I guess trying to talk about it right now just trying to get just kind of just like just putting my thoughts out there like right off top of my head but I'll have my like composed thoughts down on my on my review so it'll come up I'm hoping soon I heard the game at least my my friend told me it's pretty short Uh, so I'm hoping to have my review out soon
0: and that also I think dropped today as well actually here
2: it did drop today uh, for PS4 and Switch and uh, it was out on PC last week oh good sir so.
0: Gotcha. Uh, well, cool. Thank you for that. And yeah, hopefully uh, you can come out of it somewhat positive. And I totally sympathize. I have the time when I feel like I'm speaking about games and I feel like I've got my thoughts so eloquently placed and then I'm on the spot on the mic and I'm just like, did you do the stuff and and there's characters and then like your brain goes on so many tangents that you've just rambled off, off, off and have to get yourself back on and you're like, what did I just say? I don't know. Sorry, everybody <laughs> yeah, listening.
2: That, that's basically what I just felt right there. I was just like, I want, what did I want to say again? Oh yeah, let's just let's, let's go on about that one thing I just talked about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh well. Uh, well, coming out of E3, we had um, a lot of you know, buzz going into it even with uh, Pokemon, but coming out of it during the E3 episode, you all weren't really exposed to it, Zach. You said it kind of came up while you were at E3, so none of you really knew all the, the drama going on but pokemon sword and shield
3: yeah i mean i think we had some some rumblings of it i think but the impressions that i think cory was the only one who played it uh, were so positive that they, that sort of drowned out any internet noise yeah. about but it. but
0: there has been internet noise and uh, a lot of it has been <laughs> uh, you know voiced in what some think is the cesspool of the internet being twitter uh where peter has lots of fury and you've been seeing the internet's fury peter <laughs> what's uh... i mean
1: honest to god i've been trying to avoid this thing like like as much as I can because I do think it's really kind of dumb, but uh, the fan Pokemon fan base is pretty riled up because during E three, uh, Junichi Matsuda during a Treehouse Live segment pointed out that uh, even though they are making a service to transfer Pokemon over from the 3ds games to the Switch uh, called Pokemon Home, the only Pokemon that can be transferred to Sword and Shield are ones that are already in galar's pokedex um the galar region's pokedex meaning that uh not all of the pokemon will be available in sword and shield um this has sparked some furor to put it mildly <laughs> it's very mild yes <laughs> yeah like i and 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 i, I don't want to like i don't want to sound like i'm being dismissive of anybody who is like legitimately disappointed by this and expressing their opinions in a Constructive manner. I think there is a lot of mis- misinformation and internet
0: noise to sit. Yeah, because we don't know the hard facts, but like how the Galar region could have a pretty big Pokedex for all we know.
1: I and honest to God, I think the reason that Masuda gave in clarification is very. It's it's like okay, we we have over a thousand
3: Pokemon models at this point, and something had to go. Yeah, eventually, something has to give. You can't have. I mean, they're on like the twentieth iteration. We're gonna have. 2000 pokemon available i mean come on and
1: obviously there, there is a certain segment of the fan base that really enjoys being able has enjoyed being able to carry over their pokemon from game to game and enjoys having a complete pokedex of all the pokemon the uh the term i believe is the living decks i i don't personally play the pokemon games that way so th- this didn't even blip on my radar when they mentioned it. it's like oh Okay, I I'm gonna play with a mostly a team of new Pokemon anyway, but and maybe a few old favorites if I catch them. That's just generally what I do. But for people who do invest in that particular aspect of the Pokemon franchise, yeah, this this sucks for them, and I'm sorry for them. But we also don't know, really know what Pokemon are gonna make the cut or not yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, other than what we've seen, other than what we've seen in the trailers, which has been a pretty varied assortment
0: of. Of fan-favorite Pokemon. And you can count on, yeah, a lot of Gen 1 stuff being kicked around and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I get it. It, Yeah, it's it's that investment over time thing, right? They've invested so much into these, you know, champion-level Pokemon that they want to keep bringing them through to smash through things. And obviously people have a hard time letting that stuff sort of go. But it's just... You can only ask so much from this developer to keep doing this and adding, yeah, like you said, these thousands upon thousands of models as we get into the next generation and add more Mm -hmm. Pokemon because it's either you add more and take something else away, or the game's going to get so exorbitant and expensive because it's trying to house all these things, Mm -hmm. or the alternatives, then let them do DLC where they release different regions as DLC packs, and if you want that region's Pokemon, then you pay the 10 bucks and add it to your game, like but you know that'll outrage people too that I think that's a worst case scenario um, but I could yeah. foresee it in the future um, once we start getting into like generation nine ten eleven twelve mm-hmm. where there's just too much to house and they're trying to keep everybody happy and but they also need to pay people the time and the money to get the actual game out the door right. and then go back and model all these fan favorites that people want just because it's like
1: one well, like I think um I think as new Pokemon games come out obvious on switch like um, the thing of it is, and this is this is where the thinkings get dicey. I don't disagree with um, the sub. There's a, the, with people who are saying, "Why? Well, why can't you just delay the game?" I understand why they can't, um, because Pokemon is a multimedia franchise. There's a cartoon. There's a trading card game. There's like this. The, the release date has been given, and they are gonna put this thing out. I wouldn't mind them maybe taking a year off. A year or two off that worked for Tails, that worked for Assassin's Creed. They came back swinging, and the games after they took the break were a lot more fleshed out. But we also, again, have, we haven't, none of us other than Corey have played Sword and Shield, and the people who have played it seem to really like it.
0: Right. It may not have suffered, yeah.
1: What I've seen looks pretty good, in my opinion. So I'm not really too worried about this. There are people who are like. Pointing out like low-poly assets or stuff like like there's a tree. Oh, there's a tree in the the overworld that looks uh, kind of low-polygon. Game Freak is the worst, confirmed. And I'm just like, guys, can we just not? Well, exactly. <laughs> please.
0: <laughs> C- can we just can we just kill it with the
1: bad faith arguments,
0: please? It's been three years since Sun and Moon, so they've definitely had time to develop this. And while they did do in between, uh, let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee. Those are much lighter versions, so they've clearly had time to develop a more full version of the game. And yeah, until we see stuff come out the door, like, we can't be pointing fingers and saying, oh, it's the worst, and yeah, again, over a tree. It's like, again, to make things tick along, they got to find ways to cut corners, and it's not like the Switch is the most powerful system. If you want Pokemon on the PS4 or the Xbox, then yeah, you're going to get that thing where everything is rendered to the nines. But the switch, there's concessions that need to be made, and it's still going to be a great looking game because the switch is a great looking system. So, mm-hmm. but uh, Nathan, do
1: you have uh, thoughts on this one? Because I know, uh, I know you and I were on, I think we were on a slightly different page with some of it, but I wanted to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm of the opinion that yes, it sucks, but um, it's not something to hold Game Freak over the fire for. Um, like, it's, it's not like. You know, you use, ha- like, even half of those Pokémon that, you know, might get cut. Like, who's using Cactuar? Or, not Cactuar, what's the Pokémon name? Mar- uh, I don't even know. know. Maractus. Mer- oh, Maractus? Maractus. No.
1: I-, I saw that meme, yeah. Oh, see, I, I, for one, am outraged that Fungus will not be present in <laughs> well, in before fo- in before Fungus is in, sort of. Yeah, no, <laughs> I- I'm not
2: going to miss, you know, Young Goose. I'm not going to miss, you know... Uh, but did Dunsparce make it? Pokemon. It would be a
1: tragedy if Dunsparce doesn't mean. Right now. <laughs> yeah, Dunsparce, Dunsparce is the heart
0: and soul of the Pokemon franchise. Yeah, get out of the way, Pikachu. Here's the real mascot. Detective yeah. Dunsparce,
1: now in theaters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Duns- he just sits there. The bad guy trips over it.
1: Got him. <laughs> He's voiced by jo- played by John Stamos. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, so like as much as I loved, like I did enjoy like for a period of time I did enjoy having living decks like there was a time when I was obsessed with collecting them all but um, may- maybe for hard- I started for like hardcore Pokemon fans this is a little bit of a hard pill to swallow but I mean unless Game Freak wants to slow down or Pokemon Company wants to slow down their plan of like Pokemon stuff just to you know have the game quality go up I don't know if it'll happen this is you know we live in a society where money, where money talks, and I don't. Pokemon Company wants to slow down their plan just because you know a few gamers got, or I guess, you know, part of the Pokemon fan base got mad that they can't transfer all the Pokemon over. So it's something that I would like to see Game Freak, you know, take a year off to get all the models in to, you know, make sure everyone's happy. But uh, I understand this is a process that, uh, you know, Game Freak well decided to go with. So just yeah. unf- unfortunate but it's nothing that's gonna like diminish the game for me it's like it's not gonna like it's not a deal breaker
1: no i hear ya. I, you i know i'm to- like i said i'm totally it kind of it just kind of make sword and shields feel like a bit more of a stock a stopgap release if you're waiting for those features but the other the other thing of it is is that pokemon home doesn't even launch until 2020 and we don't really know what other features are going to be included in that so uh i mean even then you wouldn't be able to transfer Pokemon over anyway, yeah. until next year.
2: Yeah, so, so we'll have to wait and see. Like I, I know they said they, they currently don't have plans to do it, but maybe they might. But let's we'll just wait and see. I mean, it'll probably be just in the next Pokemon game instead. When they have more, you know, while they've in between time between their next games, they'll probably just, you know, add more yeah. models in. Yeah, I mean, as more Pokemon, if more
1: Pokemon games keep coming out, eventually they'll probably hit that 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 level of. of Connectivity again. Now there is again. This is where I said misinformation factors in because there is a translation of Masuda's comments going around that says, "Oh, we we do not plan on doing on having every Pokemon in the game in the future," which makes it sound more permanent. But also, please keep in mind that this translation comes from 4chan.
4: <laughs>
1: like, and and, and 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 I'm sorry if I sound dismissive there, but. It's from 4chan, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, please take your sources with a grain of
0: salt with some of this stuff. Well, until everything gets released and we get more details with, like, the next Direct and as we get closer to November, we're not going to know. They could just be them playing it safe and saying, you know, we got everything except for, like, yeah, like, the 100 least popular, least played ones that really no one's going to care about. It's not like you're going to get there and all of a sudden... There's no jigglypuff, you know, so so that's that's why they took that popularity poll recently, <laughs> yeah, maybe for all you know, and then yeah, they've been telling stuff from championship games and stuff like that, right at any rate, uh, we are recording lots of talking and coming up uh on uh you know. A few, a couple hours of, of chatting about games. We had some other stuff to chat about, but we can hit that up next time because I do want to hear thoughts on um, kind of like, you know, digital store stuff with this whole alpha protocol being removed. And we've seen this happen in the past, but we'll get into that because that's a, a big conversation, I think. So for now, though, uh, unless any of you guys have any final thoughts on this Poké news or anything else we talked about today, uh, I think we can release this all back into the wild. What do you all think?
3: Works for me. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's true.
0: Yeah, that sounds good yeah. to me. Some people have to go to work. Some people have got to go to the gym. Some people got to eat lunch. It's We're, we're all across the country. <laughs> Although I think you're all Eastern, aren't you? I'm the only one that's three hours behind. You're all 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm at just before lunch. <laughs> well, let's uh, wrap this up then, shall we? So thank you very much once again, gentlemen, for coming on the show today. It's always nice to talk with you. Zach, it's been nice talking to you now in person. Thank you so much for yeah. uh, joining me on Random Encounter. I appreciate that. Yeah, Absolutely. Hopefully we'll have you back and talk about stuff because I know there was some other stuff on the docket you wanted to voice, so we'll get you in here to chat about it. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. As always, if you've got uh, anything to let us know about, comments, questions you want to uh, have answered on the podcast or voiced on the podcast, please email us at podcast at RPGFan.com You can also find us at Twitter at RPGFan.com as well as on Instagram. Uh, I'm always open to being spoken with on Discord. Like I said, I'm at GDelmage on there. And we have other podcasts. You know, Retro Encounters got some good stuff coming out. We didn't really talk about it today but with the release of Collection of Mana a lot of us at the site have been playing Trials of Mana and some of us are coming on board to do it uh, for Retro, which uh, Mike Slosey Pretty much grabbed the retro encounter car and turned it around. I was like this is what's happening now. As soon as it was released <laughs> and
3: completely, I was in person and that's true. Yeah, yes. completely <laughs> kibashed.
2: Uh, oh uh, actually, yeah, I kind of want to know. I'm just super curious. Sorry for interrupting. How how when when Mike saw, so saw that at E3. How. They just jump up and just jump up and down. When, when I mean
3: on. the the Nintendo Direct in general, Alana and Mike and Corey and well, all of us were all going wild. But yes, uh, I think he decided to change uh, this next upcoming retro, the Game Journal, to Trials of Mana during the Direct. So yes. Yeah, that took like that took like literally 10 seconds. Yep. <laughs> it was it was immediate. Yeah, <laughs> I was
0: really curious to see his reaction to the to that. I mean, we'd had the rumors, but to see it actually drop. I was curious to see him oh, explode, yeah. and there was, what was the other big one that dropped? Um, I mean, we knew the Dragon Quest heroes were, it was coming to. That was big. I mean, The
3: Legend of Zelda 2, uh, I think, got, got probably the second biggest reaction in the room. Maybe Animal Crossing. Corey went wild. For oh, nice. That was, yeah, was just looking <laughs> good. It was fun. I just thought, yes, you
0: yeah. might also be pretty stoked that they gave all the alternate skins for all the other Dragon Quest oh, heroes. Yeah.
3: We we were both we were both super I jazzed like, about what? that. Yes, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> at any rate, yeah, he's got us going into trials of mana for the July game journals, and uh, of of course he's got weekly episodes coming out as we always say he's a busy fella, and uh, you can go listen to those. You can go listen to backlogs of rhythm encounter. Our still on hiatus music podcast, and aside from that, we're uh, you know got that whole website thing. RPGFan.com, you might you might know about it. You can get news, reviews, check out the scads of E3 coverage that uh, Peter is furiously trying to keep up with his team, <laughs> and uh, all that sort we, of stuff. We put we put out a lot, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah. yeah, definitely catch up. Exactly. On these articles. and as always, I'll have my thing at the you've already heard at the beginning of the episode with all the latest stuff coming out. So, thank you again for listening. We'll see you on episode 168, and by see I mean here because. You know, radio waves, whatever. Stop it. You shut up. Anyways, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Take care. Are you having another Mountain Dew? Yes. (laughs) Peter. I need to stay awake
1: until work.